0: Welcome to Calvary Servanthood Community Church 2023, the year of Bethel, a dwelling place of God. In this podcast, you'll grow in faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. As we're about to tune into the Word of God, prepare your notepads, prepare your pens, and most importantly, your heart to receive and be blessed by the Word of God. Our vision at Calvary Servanthood Community Church is to create a servanthood Christian community to serve the body of Christ.
1: standing on our feet I just want to introduce the minister of the word of God this morning but I just want to say to you one of the privileges that I as a person have had in my life there are many privileges but one of the best privileges that I have had was to be part of this establishment, Guruji. I think this establishment has changed my life. It has made a difference in my life. And I want you to take note of the substance that we receive from this establishment and from all walks of life You know, as I sat there and listened to Tabiso about the issue of faith and how he brought it, listened to the offering from Rudy, listened to uh, the announcement, you know, everything that comes out here has a lot of substance. Please take note of that. I think many of us had privilege as well of listening and hearing a lot of people who are icons of this world. And we actually ask ourselves, but I don't think it is what we get out of this. Every time when somebody's here, when he leaves, there is substance that we Get. Let our hearts be ready. Let us look at God. Let's prepare our soil, our hearts, as a good seed, as a good soil, I'm sorry, to receive the seed that we are going to receive this morning. While the worship team is singing, let's put our hands together and welcome the minister of the weight of god muruti to come and minister to us here let the worship tip continue let's give god a round of applause as she comes
2: worship.
0: moment for what it is, O ancient of days. We come to you, great monarch of Zion, and say that there is no one who is worthy, but you alone. We bring all of ourselves into this moment to receive all that you have for us. Let nothing be left outside in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, oh hail the King, oh hail King Jesus in this place let it be him who is lifted up for your word says father god if i be lifted up i will draw all men unto myself so we lift you up king of kings king of glory take the glory in this place take the glory take the glory no one else but you alone Thank you, Jesus, captain of our salvation. You pioneered a way for us that we might come and worship him. We thank you for the instruction that we received this morning, that they that worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. We come before you, Father God, knowing that you are the perfecter of our faith, Oh God. Your word says that it is impossible to please you without faith. This morning, Father God, even as we are about to hear your word, we lift up faith for everything that you are going to say unto us. Your word says that it will never return to you void. It will always accomplish that which you have sent it out to do. Even this morning on holy ground as we stand, Father God, we know that you have a word for us, that you have released upon us and in our generation. Father God, have your way. Let your word, Father God, accomplish its work in us. Let it do that which you have sent it out to do in the mighty name of Jesus unto you we lift up our hunger unto you oh god and we say fill us up with yourself we are here to say father god we refuse to leave this place unchanged we refuse to leave this place the same because you are a god who has greater plans for us Nothing to harm us but a glorious end, Father God, in you. Your word says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto a new day. The longer they live, the brighter they shine in you. That is the promise that you give us, Father God, as your son Jesus. For it is his righteousness that we come in, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for such a sweet fellowship. We thank you for this time, O Lord. We thank you, Moyo hallelujah. Reign in this place. Father, even as we are about to minister the word, O oh Lord, may every activity taking place, Father God, rise up like sweet-smelling incense unto the Lord. May you, Holy Spirit, perfect it, and may it bring a beautiful server, Father God, to our Father. Hear our worship, Father God. Our hearts are ready for you. Our hearts are yearning for you. Our hearts, Father God, long only for you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. I greet the church in the mighty name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Uh, the church at large, be greeted in the name of Jesus, amen. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit caught me off guard over there. I was, uh, you know, when Papa was saying that uh, the privilege of being in this establishment, I think more so the privilege of serving God. Uh, there's no greater privilege, Banabamurena, to have partnered with the purposes of God and earth for them to come to pass. Amen. So thank you, worship team, for just ushering us to a place where, you know, it is our dwelling place at the feet of our master. Amen. Um, we are going to continue with the message of capacity building um, The message says the power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need a title for the message, that's the title of the message today. Um, Let us read Acts chapter 1. It was read here for the scripture reading, but we can read it again. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, Until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Amen. We just came from a season of Passover a season that ignites a lot of passion for our faith and after Passover in the Bible, in the New Testament, when Passover took place, when the cross took place, the Bible says that when Jesus had risen, this is Paul's account to Theophilus. He is saying that Jesus showed himself alive to his disciples for 40 days, teaching them on matters pertaining to the kingdom with infallible proofs. Remember, as I said last week, that these were men who God was committing the kingdom or the advancement of the kingdom. here. On earth. So it is important for us as Banabamorana to take uh, heed of what the Bible here is presenting. Just because you saw Jesus and you were in close proximity with somebody that saw him, that he was there. You know, Thomas doubted, he said, until uh, Tariso spoke about faith, Thomas doubted until he said, until I touch, you know, where the nails pierced him, then only will I believe. So you could also have experienced Passover. You could have experienced the emotions. You know, Paul says that we stir up holy emotions as ministers of the gospels. We can hear worship, the worship team singing, and we melt our affections on a song. And we come out of here thinking that we have known him, but we did not know him. The Bible says the disciples needed to be taught 40 days in matters pertaining to the kingdom of God. Amen. And Ritu ministered so well here, the intercession in the second service, saying that Jesus was the one who confirmed the prophets. Everything that had been said was confirmed by Jesus. But now what does that mean for us going forward? Now that he has come, he, he died, he rose again and that he lives again. What does then that mean for us? And this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples to say that I am going and I am. The Bible says here, he taught them of his, he, he began with both to do and to teach. Amen. Meaning that he was teaching them the things that he was doing. That do before teaching is very deliberate in the Bible. Amen. So we as children of God need to be capacitated in order to advance the kingdom. We spoke about the cross, um, last week, and we spoke that the cross is not just the wooden item that we need to teach about. It's the technology that God found in him, in himself that was made as intervention for our salvation. Amen. And if we do not know the basic fundamentals of our faith, we will struggle because the gospel is not about the things that accompany salvation, it's about the kingdom. And oftentimes we can find ourselves running for the things that accompany salvation and not running for the kingdom. God is functioning from established purposes. He's not establishing something. In the realm, the realm of time, you are the one establishing. God is eternal, meaning that His purposes has already been established from eternity past to eternity future. But in time, He then selects a generation to appropriate that, you know, that purpose for that generation. So, meaning that God has already done it. We are the ones who must align to the doing of our time. Amen. So the cross teaches us or capacitates us to understand how then do we apply the word of God and appropriate it in our time. Let's read uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Meaning that when we preach the cross, we are not preaching philosophies. We are not preaching things that have been made up. We are preaching things that have been handed over to us by eyewitnesses. Which bears a responsibility upon us. Amen. So the integrity of God hangs upon the cross. The integrity of God hangs upon the things that God has done on Calvary. In the cross, as I said, it is the first place of our intervention. We see the parade. You know, we read the scripture that Jesus, I'm going ahead of myself, made a public spectacle of every principality and power, triumphing over them. The cross was the first place, the beginning of that parade. At the cross, we see the transaction between a spirit and mortals saying, now you can, I am giving you the right to exercise and establish my kingdom in the earth realm. Amen. It all happened at the cross. Amen. We said last week that the cross restores us to priesthood and rulership, which was the primary thing that Adam was placed in the garden for. He was not placed in the garden for relaxation and leisure. Oftentimes when we think about Eden, we are thinking paradise, relaxation and leisure. No, Adam had a deeper responsibility. The burden that he was placed there for was that he must exercise the priesthood duties so that he can stream the realities of heaven here on earth. And as a ruler must advance the kingdom of God. Amen. That was the primary purpose of Adam. Now, Jesus at the cross, he restores that responsibility to you. Because Adam could no longer even partake in the purposes of God. And by the Lord's mercy, we understood a little bit last week that by the Lord's mercy, God took him out of the garden. Because he could no longer remain there. Amen. The cross restores relationship with God unto us. It restores authority to reign and rule. It restores the possibility of perfection. And when we spoke about perfection, we spoke that perfection is not what we understand it to be. According to the word of God, perfection is maturity and incorruptibility. It restores you to the place where you are the matured. And remember, God is an ancient, so we cannot count him with time. Amen. But to take it further and tap into that eternity, he is incorruptible. Amen. John 1, verse 1. 1 John 1, it says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and and our hands have have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life this is the That the apostles are saying, we are inviting you to, after they have been capacitated, after they had witnessed Christ, we are inviting you to something that was there in the beginning, in the garden, fellowship with God, the word of life. It says here, the word, we, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. But Jesus in heaven, his name is the word. Here on earth, he's Jesus because we are the ones that need salvation. So they are proclaiming the word that was there from the beginning. So there was fellowship between man and God in the garden. Amen. But it is the word that has restored us through the cross of Calvary. Amen. The cross reveals what Jesus did for you. And Paul then says it behooves us as children of God to be reasonable men to see what then is expected of us after the cross. And he says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, he says, for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge, meaning that after an experience of the cross, your judgments must change. We thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. And if And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for for them and rose again. Amen. So Paul is saying that once you experience the restoration that the cross affords you to enter to, you become a reasonable man. And you see that the one who died for you, you, your reasonable sacrifice to him is to live the life that he should have lived through you amen so you are expected once you come to the knowledge and the revelation of the cross to carry your cross and follow Jesus amen in Romans 12 he speaks about it he says it is our reasonable sacrifice amen so let's read again 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 5 for I delivered you First of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul here is saying the three things that we cannot differ on, even if we are different denominations in the body of Christ. We cannot differ that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. We cannot differ that he was buried. We cannot differ that he, he rose again on the third day. Amen. He died for what? For our sins. So it was not an aimless death. Amen. It needs to be known that Jesus died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. It needs to be known that he died, uh, he was buried, and on the third day he rose. I'm going to read it again. It says, For I deliver to you first of all, all that which I received, meaning that this is an account that Paul also received, as we are receiving the capacity today that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures amen paul is speaking saying according to the scriptures which scriptures is he referring to remember that the new testament at that time was not complete so he's not speaking about the, uh, the synoptic gospels. He's speaking about the Old Testament, that they spoke of him even before. So he died according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He keeps referring, saying, according to the scriptures. And I just want to say a side note, Banaba Morena. If we do not uphold the scriptures, we will miss out on the authority that it gives us in prosecuting this life. Paul is saying that my authority in what I am saying rests upon the scriptures because the integrity of God rests upon the scriptures. Amen so we know here that he died and he was buried and that he rose again amen so having laid that foundation Of what the cross has done Remember that as I said That it's not just a wooden ornament That we look at Nor was it just a means of that day You know to for Christ to die It was something that God Saw within himself As part as working out Our salvation amen So in understanding what the cross Is it is not just Understanding what Jesus Did for us on the cross But it's understanding what he has opened you up to and I'm going to read a scripture here that and substantiate it by saying that we encounter or we encounter the power of the cross and his resurrection by ensuring that we we have an understanding of the cross amen Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 20 it says That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that your, that, that. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Amen. He starts by saying that the Lord, that that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So before you get to the worked Christ that was raised from the dead, who is seated in heavenly places with God, you must pass by wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen. So that is why we must push understanding of the cross. That is why we must push understanding of our salvation. That is why we must push the understanding of resurrection. Amen. We need wisdom, revelation and the light of God. Amen. Uh, Wisdom in the Bible here, when you read it in the Greek, it says the Sophia. Sophia. You need the Sophia of God, meaning that there are many forms of wisdom. You know, when the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That scripture, it means that there are many other forms of wisdom. But a man who fears God will limit himself to the wisdom of God alone. Amen. The reason that happened, what happened in the Garden of Eden When Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, they tapped into a wisdom that they themselves could not handle. And you know, the sin of Adam in the garden is rebellion. The sin of Eve is deception. There are two different things because the instruction that was was given to Adam and remember that he added to the instruction and God said in the garden to Adam, don't eat. Of the fruit and he then gave Eve the instruction don't eat don't touch God did not add the don't touch that's religion that 's what we do right religion we try to keep things that God said by adding to the instruction but there's a belief that maybe Eve one day touched the tree and nothing happened so Because Adam said, don't eat, don't touch. When the serpent came and proposed eating, she could easily be deceived because religion could not protect her from the instruction that God had originally given. And when they ate of that fruit, they tapped into a wisdom that now said, we don't need God. So that was the biggest sin. And remember that in the garden, God wanted fellowship with man. Wanted. We, we have been created to need God. We have not been created to be without him. Amen. So when uh, Paul is speaking about you uh, being seated in Christ in heavenly places, when he's speaking about that consciousness, that he's praying for you, that you step into that hope with the wisdom of God, I'm emphasizing the word their wisdom to say that it is the wisdom of God, not just any other wisdom. Amen. And he says, revelation, apocalypses. Revelation means access. But just because you have access to something, it doesn't mean that it can be appropriated in your life. Amen. That's why he's speaking about wisdom, revelation, and he says, an understanding. Because when you understand certain things, you behave differently. Have you ever seen how when you didn't understand someone and they say, no, this person actually, they are not well. This behavior, you say, oh, okay. Understanding helps you then treat them with compassion and kindness. Understanding opens you up to appropriating or responding correctly. Meaning that you can have wisdom. And you can have revelation, but without understanding, you cannot even appropriate that knowledge. Amen. So we need all three. That's what Paul is saying here. So when he says this is that we need to understand the death of Christ. We need to understand the burial of Christ. And we need to understand the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. In Colossians 1.9 it says, Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirit attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Paul here is beseeching the saints to say that before you get to the to the workings of God. You need a thorough understanding. And in the previous scripture that we read, we said that we need wisdom and revelation. He's praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order for you to apprehend that which you have been apprehended for in Christ. Amen. I'm now going to get into the message of the day, having laid a foundation to say, I'm going to speak of only two things because of time. And it seems like I'm moving quicker than I expected, but it's a good thing. Amen. I'm going to speak about two things that resurrection imparts onto you as a child of God. That resurrection is the power that God invites you to, He calls you into that economy, and we receive that through Christ. The Bible says that our lives are hid in Christ, whose life is hid in God. Amen. So your life as it is, having received Him, it is hid in Christ and it is hid in God. Where is Christ right now? At the right hand of the Father. Who is there? It's him, the resurrected Christ. If we don't understand that he is the resurrected Jesus, we are going to treat him as if he's the Jesus who was on the cross of Calvary. But actually, there's an invitation to take you further. If you do not understand resurrection, you will live below the power that God gives you as a believer. Amen. The first thing that resurrection has done for us. And remember... um, I don't like saying, you know, uh, like, you know, the world would say seven habits of highly effective people, uh, five love languages and so forth. I'm going to speak on two things, but God can reveal much, much more. Amen. You know, the Bible, the word, the word of God is so deep. You can't understand it. That's why it's new every morning. There are scriptures that you read 10 years ago. You read it again and it's new. Amen. So as I speak on these things, this is where maybe my understanding has gone to. But the Holy Spirit, in His, uh, in, in His infallible power, He is able to reveal more. Amen. The first thing that the cross does for us is that it legitimizes our sonship in the kingdom of God, it makes us sons and daughters of God. Amen. You need, the first thing, you the the power that you need in this kingdom is to know that you are a son, or else you'll function like a slave. Amen? You know a son, you don't go to your parents and beg and say, Papa, if you have mercy, uh, can you please, will you be able to assist me with this? If I can have mercy, if I can, do you understand? And unfortunately, um, especially in an African context, Culturally, the hierarchies that have been uh, presented to us, yes, I believe in respect and I believe in honor and I believe in in humility, but some of those have been misrepresented to the place where we sometimes find ourselves so timid in the gospel and calling it brokenness before God and it's not brokenness. It's not brokenness. And those lines have been blurred because of upbringing and maybe cultural settings. But Jesus calls you to a new place where you walk in humility, knowing your identity, where you walk in honor, knowing your identity. You do not have to deny who he calls you to be. I can still walk in honor towards the elders of the church, knowing exactly who I am. Amen. And he calls us to that place. So it is important for us to know that we are sons and daughters in the kingdom and not slaves. Meaning sons and daughters also have responsibilities. Amen. When we are at home as a son as a, and a daughter, you are not told that uh, after we eat, we are. you know that is the responsibility and part of the household. Meaning that as a son and as a daughter, you are able to re- to take on the mandate of the kingdom and exercise the responsibilities that we must exercise in the kingdom. Amen. The Bible says creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's not waiting for people who don't know who they are. Amen. Galatians 4 chapter 1. Let's read it. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he be master of all. Amen. You know, the word son there, it's speaking of the mature one. And you notice that when it's speaking about an heir, it's speaking about a child. Meaning that you can be grown. Tabiso spoke about it, saying that you can find a 40-year-old who's be behaving below their age and you know there's a there's as you grow older we assume maturity don't we we assume maturity like people you know uh, if you are 60 you behave a certain way and so forth i remember there was a time where i was young and i couldn't understand adult and adult doing something and i remember i went to my mom and my mom says no katie uh, people don't always mature they just learn how to behave I never forgot that, that that person knew how to behave as an adult, but it does not necessarily mean maturity had taken place in a certain area. And I remember being a child and I said, God, I don't want to be an adult like that. I want to be able to be the matured at a certain time in the place of maturity. Amen. I don't even think she was mindful of what she was saying at that time. Because it was just me who, <laughs> what is this? What is this? You know, and he says, no, you, people don't always mature. They just learn how to behave. So in a setting like this, we all know how to behave. But it doesn't mean that we are all the mature. Amen. And another thing, sonship. when it speaks about sonship, maturity is not age. You know, you can see a child when they are speaking with the spirit of an ancient and you ask yourself, where does this child get this type of wisdom? And that goes to show you that maturity is not age. It's a spirit that can rest upon a person and take them to the places that God is calling them to. Amen. And that is the access that the cross gives us. Amen. So if an heir is though, if a child is an heir, if he still remains a child, he will live like a slave. Amen. The Bible says that he will uh, be appointed somebody, a curator who will be looking after his things, though he be heir of all things. Amen. So sonship is an honor that God bestows upon us. But through the cross, it becomes a kingdom right that you must actually walk into. When you receive Christ as a citizen of the kingdom, it becomes a right that you have the ability to then walk into. Amen. Uh, let's read John 1 verse 11 to 12. It says, He came unto his own. And his own received him not. He came to the world, not just Nazareth, not just Jerusalem, not just the Jews. He came unto his own, meaning that he came in the flesh and was human like us, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them them gave he the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. So when we receive Christ, the risen Christ, he gives us the power to be called the sons of God. And if you are a son of God, your whole life, the enemy will come. If you be the son of God, will you do this? You will always be confronted with that question of performance or being a son who is under authority. The issue of Jesus in the desert, when the enemy came and said, if you be the son of God, he said, perform it, perform. So we can see that you are the son. So in life, you can want to perform your whole life to prove that you are. That is not power. It is not power. Jesus understanding in the kingdom that even though I have power, to do this it's not about my ability to do it should i do it so in the kingdom when we walk as sons it's not about can or can we not it's should or should we not because we walk under a father amen so when jesus was there the temptation was to perform more than actually responding to the identity So if we know who we are, we will not perform in the kingdom of God. We will just be who we are. It will not matter if somebody called you Oscat or somebody called you Muruti or somebody called you. It will not matter. You know who you are. You are sure in who the Lord has called you to be. And you do not need any external confirmation for your identity. Papa said, you know, he once ministered here saying that you don't need the devil telling you who you are. You must tell him that I know who I am. Amen. So the issue of sonship is the issue of also performance. When we don't know who we are, we perform throughout our lives trying to prove to be what we are. And actually in that place, we are showing a lack of power more than any other thing. Amen. So sonship is something we need. We are kingdom citizens and sonship is our right. Amen. It makes us agents of the purposes of God. Without sonship, you will misuse the purpose. You will misuse that which God releases unto you. Amen. The Bible in the book of Corinthians, it says Jesus who was a son of God. I'm paraphrasing. It says God handed out, gave him all things. And he took all things including himself and put himself under God so that God might be God above all. Amen, So sons have a mandate from the Father. Sons are not orphans. Amen? Meaning that a son is aware of the father's intention and heart, and they are able to appropriate that, and often lives off whatever is being taken place at that time, whatever is offered as an identity, they can take place, they can take that. So may God heal the church of an often spirit because the cross actually calls us to the place of sonship meaning that we are appropriating the mandate of the father amen second peter chapter 1 verse 3 it says as his divine power has given to us all things to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us into glory by glory and virtue amen Meaning that as a son, you will get to understand the things that have been given to you that pertain to life and godliness. It is possible for you to live or ask for what has already been given because you don't know who you are. Amen. It is possible for you to live be, below the revelation that has been spoken of you or the word of God that has been spoken of you because you don't know who you are. And more so, it says here, things that have been given. It is possible for you to pray for what God has given already. You know, Muruti Bricks, um last year in November when we were doing prayer and capacity building, he ministered on something and he kept repeating it, that there are three things that God will not do, what he's already done, he will not answer a prayer that he's already answered. He will not do what he's already, what he's already, he, what he's already done. And he will not do what is your responsibility. Amen. So it is for you to understand, Holy Spirit, show me the things that have been freely given unto me that pertain to life and godliness. And when you see those things, whether they be in your possession or not, yours is to walk in thanksgiving because that is the gateway to receiving them. But not necessarily to pray for them as one who has not. Amen. So our insufficiency as Banaba Mudim, as children of God, blood-washed, tongue-talking Christians, is largely because of our ignorance. Not necessarily because God has not given. Not necessarily because you know the word has not released unto us who we are, but because we don't know these things. Proverbs says, My people perish because of lack of. Amen. So if we don't invest knowledge in these things, we are going to run after things that the Lord has already given. If we don't invest ourselves in these things, and mind you, I'm saying invest. Muruti spoke here about investing. You know, investing and selling are two different things. When you invest, there's an expectation of a return, a higher return, amen? But when you sell something, you can even mark it down just to get what you got or even less just so that you don't lose. Amen. So the Bible is, 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 is provoking us to invest ourselves. You know when Paul speaks to Timothy he says, throw yourself wholly unto these things so that thy profiting might be made known unto all. The profiting that might be known unto all is how we see you living your faith life. Amen. How we see you walking your faith life. That's the profiting that we see. We see whether you have invested yourself in the knowledge of Jesus Christ or in the knowledge of other things as well. And you know, Paul in the Bible, he says that I may know him. He's speaking about Christ. You know, several times you find in the scripture, he's saying that I have sought to know him, but to know nothing else but Jesus who died and was crucified and was raised on the third day. And he says that I may know him, meaning that there are many things to know. Knowledge will produce fruit. But he himself, he's decided to only know Christ so that he may bear the fruit of Christ. So right now, our lives are bearing the fruit of what we know. If we do not know Christ, there's fruit. If we know Christ, there's fruit. Amen. So our insufficiency, as I said, is because of ignorance, not necessarily because the Lord has not given. And when you see a man who walks in the authority of God, who knows that they are a son or a daughter of God, they walk audaciously, they walk with audacity, they can sometimes even be misinterpreted as pride. But it's not pride, it's knowing what was done for them. Because Paul says we become reasonable men. So we live the life that Christ should have lived here on earth. So because he should have walked with authority. Remember, and I'm answering the question that Ritu raised. What then is our responsibility now that Christ has been risen? Amen? What then is our responsibility? Because he has left these things. You know, Christ didn't need anything he died for. He didn't need anything that he died for. He did it for you. That's why the Bible said he left it here on earth for you. And the Bible also then says the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you live a life of advancing the kingdom. That's a reasonable man you take on the mantle of Christ you take on the cross of Christ and you advance the kingdom whatever the kingdom may be the systems of this world must bow to the kingdom of God so if God has called you to education it is in education if he has called you to government it's in government not that the kingdom is not just ministry it's not the pulpit amen God wants to colonize this entire world if I should use that word amen So if you study that, that if you understand that the kingdoms of this world must become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you will understand that as a son, you advance the kingdom. Amen. And as I said, that our audacity is not pride. Our audacity or what may look like pride is understanding for what was done for us. That's why we need to be reasonable men. Walk as sons, Amen. Number two, the thing that um, resurrection, the resurrection of the cro- the resurrection of Jesus Christ bestows upon you is enthronement, Amen enthronement Ephesians 6, 2, it speaks about Ephesians 26 it speaks about us being in heavenly places seated with Christ amen now that enthronement in the garden of eden when god was visiting adam god had always reserved a place for man in heaven there at the right hand of the father there was always a place for man but adam was busy chasing the apple Or through Eve chasing the apple. And he couldn't understand that he also could visit God in heaven. Amen. So it was not just about God visiting man. Eden was about communion and fellowship. And man also had a place to sit in the council of the gods among God himself. But he fell from that. And Jesus through the cross. The Bible says we are seated in him. Amen. Ephesians, let's read Ephesians 4 verse 24. And it says, And that you put on a new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul here is awakening you to a consciousness of a new reality, that through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you have been brought to a place of enthronement and authority. Amen. Put on the new man. Amen. Galatians 1.8 reveals the authority that God has given unto you. So the issue of enthronement is the place that God had always reserved for men, But Adam fell and the Bible says that the first Adam was a living being but the second Adam has become a life-giving spirit unto us. Amen. So through the life-giving spirit, we have been restored to the place of authority in God. Amen. That's why we have an appreciation of Ephesians 2.6, sitting at the place of administration. Meaning that in Christ, you are at the center of the administration of the kingdom of God here in the earth realm. Amen. So as a man... Jesus came down, and as a man, he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. You have a place in God. Amen. I just want to speak about, I wrote it here to, to share the testimony of uh, Benson Ida And you know, he walked with the knowledge of saying that I'm a son of God. Many of you might know him. He's a Nigerian pastor who was an African revivalist. He's passed on now, but you know, he was... Uh, I think in the 90s. He was really, really well known in the 90s. And you know, Benson Idawasa believed so much in God. And I mean, there's been no other like him even today. You know, if you study, the men are still attaining for that which God had given him. And I'm speaking about this to say that you know, he believed that as a son of God, he could command from the place of authority and enthronement in Christ. He could command even nature. You know, we know Moses who commanded, you know, the earth to open up and swallow. We saw uh, Joshua stopping the sun, creation, speaking to creation. So as a son of God, he, you, it's more than just healing that God has given you. We stop at healing. But the Bible says healing is the children's bread in the kingdom. There are more mature things that God is calling us to. Amen. So Benson Idahosa believing and understanding his authority. And I'm giving you an example that you can go and research and see what a man who knows who he is in God as a son of God. And his word will never return. His word will never fall to the ground. Uh, you all know Dangote, right? The richest man in the how, how did he become wealthy? I mean, everybody's going to give you a case study of his businesses and say he did one, two, three. He did one, two, three. He did one, two, three. Let me start at the beginning. There was a time that I think the flight was in Benin. I stand to be corrected. They were leaving. Benson Idahosa had a crusade and he was going to another crusade. And he missed the flight. And then they were in the flight. And then they said, uh, can somebody... So he wanted to take that flight that was leaving then but had no seat. And then he said, uh, can anybody give me a seat so that I can go? Meaning that somebody must be left behind. And then it was Dangote who stood up and said... You can have my seat. I'll be left behind. And then Benson Ida Hossa said, kneel down. And then he put his hand upon him and he said, you will be the richest man in the continent all the days of your life. And then he left. That word has come to pass. And Damgota is a Muslim. He's a Muslim. The word of God backed up. It backed itself up even in a Muslim. To prove itself. Dangota is not a Christian. He's a Muslim man. And all... Be, uh, so you can say that maybe he, he he's a good businessman. And he did what he did. On, but all I'm saying is that the story starts from there. And Dangota became who he became. Because of a word released by a manifest son of God. Amen. So I'm telling you the story to say to you that... As your place in sonship and having been enthroned, there are things that are waiting to be commanded around you. There are things that the Lord has committed to being redeemed by you. You know, the Bible says that creation is waiting to be redeemed. It says there's a message of speaking to the earth that the heavens belong to God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So there are things that if you speak as a son, they must align. And it's not just opening blind eyes, it's systems at work, it's systemic change that must take place. You know, when Tabitha said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is hoped for in our generation? Good governance, good leadership. What is the hope that we carry? In faith, we find the substance of those things. And as manifest sons of God, we must speak those things into being. Amen. So the resurrection does not give you power to know that you have been made free from sin. And the judgment of a child of God does not come from what you don't do or do because of sin. It's what you do with the power that God has given to you because he has made you a son. So when we judge a child of God, we are not judging you, Hore, eh, or no, we are judging that because you have been made free, What did you do with the freedom that God gave you? Amen. So that is what we have been called to, the place of dominion. The place of sonship, the place of appropriating matters of the kingdom. As I said, when Adam fell in the Bible, it was not about the devil and it was not about sin. It was about government. It was about legislation and constitutions. It was about an establishment of a kingdom that exists that is seeking expression here on earth. So when Jesus went onto to the cross, he meant business. When he rose from the cross, he meant business. You know, Post uh, spoke about us not disrespecting Jesus and what he did on Calvary. And sometimes just not to do that which with the power that has been given to you is disrespect enough to what Jesus has done. Amen if our collective faith must make meaning we must each answer the call first we must each answer the call to say that this power that has been given to me i will appropriate it and in the way that it is demanded of me amen so if we are to make meaning as the body of christ we must understand the power that has been given to us through resurrection and everything else that god has laid out amen Let us read in, we're going to read Colossians 1, uh, 16 to 20. It's in the message translation. And what I am saying here with this scripture to you is to say that Jesus has restored you to a place where all things find their place in him. And when they then find their place in him, as I said, it is more than just healing that he is calling you to. It's more than just opening up blind eyes that he's calling you to. He's calling you to a place of aligning all of creation to him. I said to you, Moses spoke to nature. Joshua spoke to nature. David, he says, I curse the hills of Gilboa. These people, the mountains of Gilboa, these people, why were they speaking like that? Why were they speaking to creation? Why were not they, when he found out that Saul had died, he cursed that mountain. Till to that day, that mountain is cursed. Till to that day, that nothing grows on that mountain. These are men only who knew who they were in God. And God calls you to the same experience in the spirit, the one who gives life. The Bible says the first Adam was a living being, but the second Adam became a life giving spirit. And it is through him that you are called to that place. Amen. Let's read Colossians 1 uh, 16 to 20. I'm reading it in the message translation. It says for everything, absolutely everything, Above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and find its purpose in him. Who is that? Christ. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it together right up to this moment till to this moment he holds it together and when it comes to the church he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body so spacious is he so roomy that everything of God find its proper place in him without crowding in Christ we all find our proper place there's no fighting for any position not only that but all the broken and the desolate pieces of the universe not only you not only healing not only government or whatever he says not only that but all the broken and desolate pieces of the universe all the broken systems of the universe amen people and things Animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured out down from the cross for us. Amen. That is the power that God calls us to through resurrection. That is imputed unto you through faith. You access it by faith. You access sonship and you access enthronement. Amen. So we don't pray for nations because we don't believe. We pray because as sons of God, we believe that we can change nations. Amen. We don't pray for families and bloodlines to be restored and changed because uh, we are praying out of unbelief. We pray because we know that those things can change because we know who we are and the authority that we have received of him who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. We become agents of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of God. And by resurrection, we are then mandated to release the life-giving spirit into a dying world. Colossians 3, 1, 8, it reads as follows. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you then believe that you are risen with Christ, if you believe that you are in Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. Paul here is saying, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Amen. It means that enthronement in Christ gives you a new perspective of things. Instead of seeing, you know, joining the doom and the gloom, you see the opportunity for God to work. In the Bible, you know, God never really removes enemies. He doesn't do anything about enemies. He does something with you. That's why in the book of Acts, when the apostle prayed, they said, God, give us the boldness in spite of these things to minister the gospel. They did not pray for God to remove these things. He said in spite of these things to preach the gospels. In Psalms 92, David there is saying, anoint my head with oil. You know, exalt my horn like the horn of a unicorn. That I may rule in the midst of my enemies. Meaning that the enemies are going to be there, but you are called to rule. So as a child of God, we don't run from problems, we run to them. God has given you Jesus the power through resurrection what he has given you you know when the Bible says come boldly before the holy throne of grace and mercy if you are called to a throne that can consume you to come boldly because of grace and what the cross has opened you up to you cannot go and fear any other thing if the cross calls you to come boldly Amen Amen It must dispel fear to know that in a place where I can be consumed as mere man, I am called to come boldly. Everything else that can be consumed by this must fear me. Amen. Amen. So we are called to go boldly towards those things that Jesus wants to, uh, that he wants to impute his righteousness to. Amen. Uh, In Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, we won't read it. It speaks about the life that is of God that now dwells within you. Amen. And that life now has given you a mandate. That life as a reasonable man has now given you, uh, as as a child of God, has given you a reason. And that's why then you appropriate that which Christ has died for you. Amen. So it's not enough for us to just apprehend the cross. We need to go further and understand that through the resurrection of Jesus, there's a power that has been imputed unto us to live as sons of God. But beyond that, to enthrone the kingdoms of this world and make them the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said, that we are kingdom citizens. Amen. We are agents of a kingdom that is seeking expression on the earth realm. And God has restored you through the cross. And as Tabiso said, these things are received by faith. These things, we receive them by faith. There are many things to do in this life for, for so many things. You know, when the Bible speaks of Christ who is the mediator, Who mediated for us between us and God? It speaks that you never had to do anything. You just had to ask so that you enter into the economy of what Christ has already done. As I said, that Jesus, everything he died for, he did not need. He died so that you can receive it. And that's the principle of exchange, right? You find it in the Bible. That it was me who was meant to be the sacrifice. But God himself came down in the the personhood of Jesus and died on the cross that you might live and appropriate the kingdom. The first Adam was a living being. The second Adam is a life-giving spirit. And that spirit now dwells in you. And the Bible said it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now use it well. morena. That's my word to you. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Just a few things to wrap up and close up the, the message. There is so much that has been given here. And we know that when much is given, much is what? It's required. required. So there is a responsibility that is required of us. But let me just say, in one of the verses that we read, there were three people that were identified And that I would like us to identify ourselves where we are. There was a child, there was a son, there was an heir. You remember that? So you can remain a child in the kingdom, you can become an heir, a son, and then become an heir. Now, all these things that were said. There was a word that came with it. The word was maturity. I can behave and not necessarily be matured. That is what was said here. Now it is good but that we mature. The word of God says, "Seek ye what? The kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto us. And you know what do we do, as the children of God? We do not seek the kingdom; we seek the salvation, the benefits of salvation, without really knowing, understanding the kingdom. If I am the king of the kingdom, I would not dispense anything to a child who has not matured to be A and A. Let's not, you know, it was identified here. There is actually a gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel of salvation is found within the kingdom And the salvation has benefits the blessings of God, but the kingdom has a greater benefits of enthronement and sonship. Now, sometimes as the children of God, we go around fishing for the blessings without seeking what the kingdom actually requires. God would not progress there. I, I just want to say all these things that have been said here they need us to be sure to advance into that level. I, I, I just want to confirm that. I have seen them personally in my life but they cost. You don't wake up in the morning after you just had, and everything just fall into pieces, it will cost you, it will cost you. To get into that enthronement and the sonship, it needs you to seek the kingdom of God. It is not to seek the benefits Without really getting into who God is. And then you expect Him to give you certain things. Seeking Him first. Let's know this man. Let's know our God. The Bible says those who know their God, they will do what? They will do what? Great exploit, not just even because they do what they know. They know their God. How much do we know our God who can bring in great exploits into our lives? May God help us, Bakreste. As a person, I'm challenged, highly challenged and say, I want to reach this but I don't want to remain a child. I don't know what it would cost me to reach a level of sonship where you can dispense or just give the throne of God into my hands. Let's stand on our feet as they sing and we'll pray.
2: You pray. You do me so great, there is no one else like you, there is no one else like you are great.
1: Were made, you enthroned us, you put us there, and we are there now with Christ. Father, we thank you for your weight. We receive it and we pray that it may grow. It may bring in an understanding of who you are so that we may bring in the exploits, the great exploits into the kingdom because we will be knowing and understanding our God. Father, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us in Jesus.
0: If God has done anything for you and you have a testimony, be sure to reach out to us and share your testimony on any one of our social media platforms.